This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, welcome to the Next Wave podcast. Consider us your chief AI officer in your business. My name is Matt Wolf. I have the number one YouTube channel in the AI space. I also run futuretools.com, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nathan Lands, founder of Lore.com. We want to bring you the latest AI news and trends, show you how you can use AI in your business and personal life, and help make it super easy for you to understand and execute. We're going to equip you with the knowledge to thrive in this upcoming wave of change. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, this is the time of year when people um, are thinking about maybe buying a book to read themselves or as a gift. And uh, we don't do many book reviews in this podcast, but there's a very special book out now. It's called The Running Book and its author, John Connell, is a farmer. Uh, He has written before in 2018. He won uh, an award for his uh, book, The Cow Book. Uh, it was a wonderful book. And uh, and this book, too, uh, is unique, original, and it's a pleasure to welcome John to the stand. John, uh, first of all, congratulations on writing and finishing a book. It's always hard. Um, and this one in particular seems to be very, very personal, you're a Longford man. You ran around your county, um, and you ran forty-two point two k, which is a marathon. I take it. The book is forty-two chapters long, and there's forty-two thousand words in the book. What I want to ask you first is about running. You're you're not a competitive runner, but you do admire people. Sonia Sullivan is one. Paula Radcliffe. Um, and Abebe Bikila, who was a great marathon runner that uh, I remember, a great Olympian that many people will remember. When did you start to run? Well, well, Eamon, it's, uh, it's a real uh, honour to be on the podcast. Um, it's, it's one of my firm favourite podcasts to listen to. So thank you, first of all, for creating the show. Um, running, I suppose, has always been something that has been part of my life. I would have started um, as, a, as a kid in community games and at one time uh, had, had quite a bit of promise as a runner, as a sprinter. But um, becoming a journalist and, and, and moving to Australia, uh, I, I kind of left the sport to one side. And I returned to it um, about uh, seven years ago now. I came back to Ireland. I had uh, I, I had had some mental health problems and uh, running seemed like the way to regain a hold on life and yes. uh, in a sense to to you know uh, to run for something to run away from something in one case and then in the ultimate thing to run for something which was I suppose the joy of life and and um, 
I'm reminded of, of a chap I talk about in the book, uh, an Irish-American cardiologist, um, Dr. George Sheehan, who, who, who's credited with starting the running boom in, in America in the 70s. And uh, he, said, um, he said, you know, you have to make today your masterpiece. And so that was my way to make today my masterpiece by going out and pounding the pavement wherever I found myself around the world. Yes, and as you say, uh, it's when you're running uh, with in a certain intensity, you are either running away from something or running towards something. In your case, was it away from something? Yes, it would have been, Eamon. I suppose there'd been uh, a bit of a destabilization in life and uh, uh, running sort of descended upon me as an idea of, um, I, I had seen this image of, of a new me and uh, he, was a, he was a more athletic uh, person, a person in love with life and movement. And um, running started really, you know, on, on, uh, on treadmills and uh, then gradually graduating to outside. And I suppose I was rebuilding myself after, after that yes. fall. And um, it was a way to, you know, I often joke it was a sort of a house of cards, but really uh, I was building it with glue rather than, <laughs> rather than just hope. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that, um, you know, when people, um, when people face those dark nights of the soul, they come back with a newfound strength. And, you know, sports people talk about it a lot, getting into flow state. And I think in a sense, for me, the running was a way to get into a life flow state. Yes. And um, that it, it, it allowed me to ultimately find, uh, uh, find the infinite summer inside myself, really, you know. And, and the, book is, the book is about that. It's about, it's about falling in love with, with movement uh, that you can, um, yeah, find that infinite uh, summer to, to carry you through whatever winter you're going through. Yes, and um, you're a farmer. And Longford is your county, and you evoke the county. Um, and I want to talk about that in a moment. But I want to talk about being a farmer uh, and the difference between being a farmer and being someone like me, uh, who's a townie. Um, <laughs> I, I always feel I'm very much a townie, but there is something that farming people, real farming people, uh, know about life and the human condition and how whimsical everything can be, isn't there? Because nature can damage you uh, and you're dealing with reality every moment of every day. Yeah, you know, Eamon, it's, um, it's a funny thing. Death is quite common on a farm. And, yes. Uh, life and the balance of life are something that um, you live with. Um, I remember, I suppose a story I'll tell you, I remember one um, lambing season, and it'll be coming into lambing season soon now in about a few weeks, and uh, I've been working for many weeks and bringing new lambs into the world, and I remember one particular lamb was born, perfect lamb, but I didn't get there in time and he was born dead, and um, I was so delirious and tired that I was trying to, in a sense, will the life back into him, but you can't do that, you can't yeah. do that. And it's something that... Um, it's something that, yeah, you live with, and the elements can 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 change everything. And you know, um, I, I suppose I, I'm reminded of um, I was I was doing some writing in the summer, and I was talking about my grandfather who who would have fought in the War of Independence, and he would have fished by the local river where salmon would have uh, swam up uh, in the spawning season. And I remember my father telling me a story of him catching 
this big salmon with with a pitchfork and yeah. life could change so yes. quickly that there was that there was uh, fresh fish and a meal for people i, I know that sounds uh, almost ridiculous to say but we have to remember that 50 60 years ago people didn't have that much food and money yes so so something like that was a cataclysmic event and um i suppose in farming we we're living uh in the eternal present and you do things you do you 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 you're kind of living in the past and present as well because everything that's done on the farm is done so that it can be ready at a later point in future. We yes. make the hay and the silage so that we'll be ready in winter. You have to, you're constantly preparing all the time. But then when you're in the present moment, you're not sure what exactly is going to happen. I know we had a, we were, we were tagging calves the other day and um, one of the calves hurt his leg and, and tore, uh, tore a muscle. And, uh, you know, uh, that, was, that was kind of a death knell for this animal because he wasn't going to thrive as much. And it, it all happened in a second. And, you say right, okay. I'm going to have to take a financial hit here, yes. and, and and that's it. So it's 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 an immediate moment. But I suppose any farmer would tell you that um, that as a way of life, it's it's a very pleasant one, even though it can be hard at times. Because uh, unlike a book or unlike an office job, when you go out and do a job, at the end of the day, you can l- turn around and look back and say, well, that field has been fenced. Yes. That that animal has been treated. I've dosed these cattle. There is there is a sense of completion that um, that after days of work that that things are done and there's a tiredness that comes with that work. But it's a it's a it's a good tiredness and yes. we, we often talk about it at home that it's you have a sense of you know Seneca used to talk about this uh, uh, that a man gets weary uh, <laughs> and eventually makes his mind up that he'll have to settle on this after tiredness. But yes. it's not like that. It's it's more about uh, a, a happy tiredness from hard physical work. And, yeah, uh, there's a joy that is deeply spiritual in when you test yourself in that particular way or when you are tested in that way, which I have experienced myself even as a, a not very good footballer. But there were times when the, that joy of being so tired, physically tired, uh, filled my body. Yeah, I think I think that I think we could call that a good tiredness. Yes, and, um, it's it's you know I I get it from um, I get it from running and I get it from from farming and physical exertion. I think that I think that um, you know people you know you, you said the spiritual there as well. I think yes. you know people would. Uh, I remember I was giving a talk once and, and a chap said to me, um, "Oh well, that's just endorphins," but it's 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 so much more. It's, yes. it's not just the endorphins. It's it's the mind uh, saying to us that you have done something. You've you've pushed forward. You've pushed through a limit, and uh, I'm going to reward you by letting letting your mind first of all. And I think it's the mind letting your mind relax. And yes. I would have talked with um, we mentioned Sonia Sullivan there, and Sonia and yes. I have become friends through through this book, and and. I had an interesting conversation with her in 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 Cork during the summer, and um, uh, we we talked about thinking about things when you're on a run. And she she mentioned to me that you know even in the highest form of races in the Olympics that she was still thinking. And I yes. think that it's only when we come to a completion that we come to a physical a physical end that we can say, in certainly my case, the mind stops and it goes okay. You can relax now. You've done your job, and uh, yes. and I think that I suppose 
when I heard that Sonia was thinking when she was running, it, it did actually, it, it made me feel uh, an akinness to her because we, we were both um, we're both thinking about things when we run. And, and I, I, I thought if, 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 a, if a world record holder uh, my uh, mind is, is yes. still going, then, you know, there's, we're, we're all, we're, the, the distance between the athletes and us, at least in the mind, is, is not so far away. So. And, and, and much of what you're thinking about is uh, deeply philosophical. Much of it also is about your county, Longford. Um, and uh, Longford is the kind of place we don't think of so much because it's not on the tourist trail, um, although Centre Parks is down there now. But as a county, it's not somewhere we think about. And maybe you, you reflect on the War of Independence, the uh, 1798 Rebellion, and other formative events in, in Irish history, you also think, um, and this is maybe a moment, when Longford was in the public eye for the wrong reasons, um, the time of Granard and Anne Lovett, uh, when she died in a graveyard giving birth to her baby. She was a young woman, and Gay Byrne uh, took up her story and... It was one of the finest moments in broadcasting in that he was able to show through this terrible tragedy what life was really like. And you reflect on that uh, a little bit too. Mm, yeah, I suppose let's let's take up Anne. Um, I mean, um, and we'll, we'll come back to Longford. I suppose um, my own mother would have, would have uh, only been a few years older than Anne and um, Anne's son, would uh, and I and I talk about this in the book. If if Anne's son had have lived, uh, we probably would have known each other. Yes. Uh, there there wasn't there's there was only a couple of years between us. Um, I think that um, Anne's death and and you know it's we we talk about it still. Um, it's still it's still an issue. And of course the the Irish Times article that came out a few years ago um, got everyone talking again. Um, I think it. it, it I, I refer to that time as a banality of evils, which is which yes. is um, t taking from Hannah Arendt. Hannah Arendt, who, uh, yeah, from the yeah. trial of Eichmann, wasn't it? Yes, from the trial of Eichmann. And, yes. you know, I, 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 I'm, I, I, I told the story of Anne. I also told the story of Catherine Corliss and, and the babies uh, from the, that were found in the septic tank in the same breath. Yes. Because I refer to it as and I'm a, and I, well, I would say I'm, and I'm actually a practicing Catholic, but I, I yes. do refer to it as a terrorism of the soul because Anne was afraid to speak of her truth and talk about what was happening to her. Yes, because so often, uh, and you know, the 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 homes were still open then. <clears throat> so often that the, that these these unwed mothers uh, were taken away and. Mm -hmm. um, I suppose my father said a very good thing to me at the time that the, the Irish Times article came out. And he said, you know, there was a reason that the walls of these institutions were so high. And um, it always struck me uh, when he said that. It really hit me because yes. we were keeping things in and keeping things out. Yes. And there was a truth. There was a truth that, um, that the church knew. There was a truth that the state knew. There was a truth that certain uh, members of the public knew. But... Yes. We did, it was a banality of evils, and you know when 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 Arendt talked about the banality of evils, she talked about it in the relationship of that it wasn't 
it wasn't evil people. It was actually bureaucratic people yes. driven by per, by personal aims. A little guy doing the numbers. And when she, yeah. looked, when she looked at Eichmann, uh, what she saw was a little clerk. Exactly. And, yeah. and you know, Eichmann never, never, um, never really questioned what he had done and, and, and thought himself an innocent man in many ways. He, yes. he was kind of amazed that he was, that he was in, in Israel. And, and I suppose, um, you know, we, we are, we are amazed. If we look back now, we would be amazed at what happened to Anne. But yes. really, it was this watershed moment, and it changed a little bit. Like me saying about my granddad catching the fish, it changed everything. Yes. Anne's death changed everything. It is this. It is this uh, pivot moment in Irish society. It happened in Longford, but I think it could have been anywhere. Oh, absolutely. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Now, uh, John, the one of the things that struck me reading it was that you've lived outside of Ireland, yes? Yes, I have, yes, for many years. Yeah, in Australia. And I would ask you about the perspective you get on your home place when you have been away from it. Uh, from I always find, I lived in England for 17 years, that I had a different perspective on Ireland and on my own home place 
having lived away from it. It helped me to recognize things, or see things even, that people who'd never left there weren't conscious of. Did that? Yes, I totally agree, Eamon. I think we have to, well, first of all, we're the great immigrant nation, but I think we have to leave in order to come back and see the place with fresh eyes. Yes. And and for me, um, I would have left uh, Longford when I was 18 and uh, and didn't come back till till I was 28. And um, I was a long time away. And um, I suppose it's an interesting thing. When you're away, you you can become more Irish. And yeah. you, you um, I remember... I remember one particular St. Patrick's Day in Sydney, uh, and the day isn't celebrated on the 17th, but going to buy green, white, and, and, and orange ribbons <laughs> to, uh, to, make a, to make a little flag for myself to wear at the office. And uh, I, I think that um, we, yeah, we become more Irish, but I think in coming back then, not only do we bring new ideas, uh, which I think is, is, is what continually renews this nation, but I think we, and certainly in my case, we saw things with fresh eyes. And when I wrote the cow book, um, you know, I was writing about an unchanging way of life, which was farming. Yes. But I was looking at it, and I think it was a reviewer said that I, I was a, I was an insider who was also an outsider because I yes. was able to look at it uh, dispassionately and say, well, this is this is something that's happening. And and I suppose I was amazed more than anyone else that when the book took off internationally and but i think it was i think it was um we were we were sh- i was showing a, a way of life f- through a new lens yes. because i was seeing it through a new lens and i was and i suppose Eamon, i i was someone who left uh, so young that actually i didn't really know ireland and um, yes. in, in coming back i remember and running was a way to 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 discover that was to was to travel around this country and meet people because my experience had been Longford and university in, in Dublin and then Australia and Canada and America. And uh, I suppose in, in, in coming back, I was experiencing all this stuff for the first time. And I remember like going to the Cliffs of Moher or going to yes. Newgrange and seeing it for, I suppose, with, with the value of an outsider's perspective and saying well this is fantastic like i can't believe this is here and we don't we don't talk about yeah. it and so yeah and and what's interesting just to sorry to interrupt you but just to continue that when you are running around longford there are places in longford that are magnificent and you described them and are historic uh, yeah. and that yet we walk past them every day and take them for granted it could be an old mansion or a castle or something yeah and i think yeah, sorry, Eamon. No, it, it, it's it's just uh, that's what makes the book so nice and beautiful and engaging. Really, that there's beauty in the everyday, shall we say, the commonplace. Yeah, I think. Well, you see, um, there is, and you know, Kavanaugh used to talk about that—the ordinary bounty of the everyday. Yes. And, and and I suppose, and Seamus Heaney did the same thing. He turned <laughs> he turned Balahi into a world famous place. But but um, in in. Um, the other thing, the other aspect of the book was was talking about the our colonial and post colonial yes. past, and and really, you see, you know why Longford, but 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 Longford was the edge of the Elizabethan Empire when 
when the when the Tudors were coming to to um, to I suppose claim Ireland, and yeah. it was this it was this outpost of um, of of British ideals, and beyond it, and not even the, the whole county wasn't even controlled. Uh, the Gaelic lords controlled half the county. That beyond that lay the wildness of the Gaelic lords and the Gaelic people, and and you know Edmund Spencer and, and figures like that would have talked about this, and so. I looked at that, and then I started to realize that Longford had been the. It's it's actually been, it's it's. I call it the the, the center of Ireland, the the, the Midlands. Yes. Uh, but but it's it's also been this, it's also been this transition zone because it is between it it it, it again and again it becomes the place where stories uh, start and end. We have we have the Elizabethans. Then we move forward to seventeen ninety eight. The rebellion ends here. Then we have. Um, the War of Independence, and we have the, the, some of the biggest fighting outside of of Dublin and and, and, and Cork is happening here, and and then we move forward to to and love it again, and it's this transition zone uh, between, I suppose, two different worlds. Because uh, and this was something that you know I didn't know him, and it's something I started to to realize yes. and, and and look into. But in this transitionary space and this this pivot point in history. It's it's um, it it occurs again and again as as a as a as a wellspring of 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 story to understand the greater aspect of our national story. Yes. And, yeah. You know. Continue. Sorry, you were going to say. Well, I was going to say um, that in a sense, you know, the book, the book is heavily Longford, but you know, it branches out and goes to Burma and Australia. Well, like all great books, and it is a fine book. You make. What is Longford International? It's because we're all living the same internally and intellectually and emotionally. We're all living in the same world, um, and it's it's sort of making uh, what is ostensibly geographically small um, international. This is yes. a book that anyone can relate to, and you do write about you know say a BB Bikila. Uh, and others outside of your home place and relate to them. Yes, I mean um, the the running heroes uh, are like Abibi and and uh, Paula and Sonia, and uh, these are people that I suppose I carry with me. Um, these are people who, um, if we're to talk, talk about the sports stars in the book, who, who I talk about, it's the it's the relationship that um, that they they bring to. Not just a runner, but to a person of, of different ways of of experiencing life, um, and I think you know um, I'm off. I'm off, uh, the the one character I, I loved that I talked about was John Akibuya, who was a who was a Ghanaian hurdler yes. and who was supposed to you know he was he was uh, destined to to be remembered as an Olympic great, but Idi Amin. Uh, boycotted an Olympics, and his his great col- his great rival Edwin Moses uh, won unopposed. Yes. And Ed- Edwin Moses is remembered in in the athletics world, where you know. And I remember watching a documentary about it, where he acknowledged that really, you know, uh, if Akibuya had run, you know, things would be very different. And I suppose the the thing that um, the thing that 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 hits me about professional athletes is that. And it's a little bit like you know Tokyo 2020, that you 
you can only control the controllables within your own life. And yet external factors can happen that change absolutely everything, yes. whether, it was, whether it's Olympic boycotts, uh, the 1980s Olympics, or, or it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the pandemic, that, um, that these people are, uh, they're waiting for a pinnacle moment in time. And, you know, there are athletes, and there's probably one or two listening to this podcast in, in Ireland who were preparing for, for, for 2020 who, who may know themselves that, um, that 2021 might be a completely different world uh, in, in, for them yes. and that, that their moment may have slipped by. And that's, a, that, that's the, the, the joy and the tragedy of, 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 of sports. Of this moment as well. We've just been speaking to former Taoiseach Bertie Hearn about uh, Brexit and COVID combining uh, to make our future uh, very dangerous and indeed uh, to make our present very dangerous, John. I want to ask you about combining farming with running and if that's possible because many people, everybody, I think, or many people have a f feeling that they've something to say and they want to write uh, and you've clearly done it and and, and done it uh, very, very successfully with the cow book and now with the, the running book. How hard did you find to actually write and to get well, the solitude for that? Yeah. It, well, I suppose, Eamon, um, I, um, I had been a journalist and a documentary maker in Australia and Canada. Right. And that world had come to me quite easily, but I had, um, and I loved it, but... I had always harbored the idea of writing a book. And I'll be honest, Damon, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, yes, they I, are I, hard. I can, I can yeah. <laughs> testify. It is yeah. a hard, solitary uh, grind, isn't it? It is. And, you know, I, I was in Australia in 2015. And I suppose people don't, people don't know, you know, it's, speaking of Bertie Hearn, you know, 10 years to be an overnight success was Bertie's great line. And, and, yes. uh, and I think in 2015, I was in Australia and I said to my then girlfriend, uh, who's now my wife, that I was going to go home for a month to try and write a book. And um, I, th that month turned into three years. Yes. And uh, it w I wrote two other books, uh, one about JFK and one about, um, uh, about refugees. And... I had actually I'd been rejected for both of them, and um, it really the cow book was my last attempt yes. at trying to live a creative life and uh, to see could it work. And I was working on the farm, and I would um, I would uh, make my notes as I went about uh, on the day and. Uh, the other thing is, Eamon, which people people also don't talk about, is you know that the, the, there was no money coming in, so I was yeah. <laughs> I was completely broke, you know, yeah, and and I was living I was living this life really to to see if I could do it, and I, and I had given up a I had given up a career in an attempt to do it, yes, but but funnily enough, when you have actually stopped um, stopped caring in the sense that you can finally write something true, yes. That's when you really start to hit the pay dirt, and yes. I think, and I think that um, 
when I, 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 I the cow book, um, there was a row in the book and my father and I separated for a few weeks and I went to Spain and, and uh, I started to write the book there. And yes. um, it poured out of me in six weeks and it was, it was an experience that really, um, I was totally uninhibited from, um, from myself because I was, I was, the, the, the ultimate gamble had, had, yeah. had now been played. You'd, and, got, you'd gone all in, as we say in the casino. <laughs> yeah, I'd gone all in. And, 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 I, and I remember saying to um, my friend, our, our parish priest, uh, who actually gave the, na- the book its name, uh, I said to him, well, well you know, this is, this is it. I've done it now. Like, I, 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 I can give no more. And if nothing happens, uh, then at least um, I know that I've given it my all. And then I suppose there is, there is something, and Irish people really, really uh, respond to it. It's authenticity. Yes. You, you, Irish people have a. I don't want to be cursing on the podcast, but they have but a very strong. Work away. But they have a very strong bullshit uh, yeah. uh, detector, and uh, and I think that it, it was there that I discovered my style, and um, and the running book was was uh, was was quickly in the wings at the same time, and it was, um, you know. It might seem to people to 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 be a strange um, a strange move to have wrote a book about farming uh, and life, and then to 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 write a book about um, running and, and colonialism. But uh, in my mind, um, I finished the cow book with a run, and um, uh, that was the next thing. And 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 the book is dedicated to Stephen Ray, and and Stephen and I would be good pals. And yes. I had said to him. Uh, that I'm going to write a book that is an examination of our past, as well as about about living in the present moment. And um, and I think that really, when you when you write, all you can do is be your authentic self. And yes. um, and and it's it's a um, it's again it's that bullshit detector. People will people will gravitate towards uh, the yeah. real, the authentic. Well, I can assure you, John, that it is real. It's very authentic. It's a very beautiful book. And you've succeeded. uh, And uh, I I know the feeling of failure. And I know the feeling of uh, success. And I can assure you, this is a very fine book. And we're very, very grateful to you for joining us on the stand. The book is called The Running Book. And the author is John Connell. It is all in. It's very, very brave and it's rich in detail um, and experience. So we're very grateful to you, John. If anyone wants to buy a book, it's 42 um, chapters and it's very, very readable Mm. uh, and you learn lots about uh, many different things. Thank you very much, John, for joining us. And when you finish your next book, I hope you'll come and talk to us again. I will indeed, Eamon. I'd love that. And I, I, I enjoyed the chat immensely. Thank you. Thanks to John. Thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, welcome to the Next Wave podcast. Consider us your chief AI officer in your business. 
My name is Matt Wolf. I have the number one YouTube channel in the AI space. I also run futuretools.com and I'm joined by my co-host, Nathan Lands, founder of lore.com. We want to bring you the latest AI news and trends, show you how you can use AI in your business and personal life and help make it super easy for you to understand and execute. We're going to equip you with the knowledge to thrive in this upcoming wave of change.